0: Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning <clears throat> in a state of mourning <laughs> and cold as our beloved Packers bit the dirt last night. It was a great game though, huh? That was a, man, who, who does two Hail Mary successfully in the same season? I was mean, just like being struck by lightning twice. <clears throat> they pulled it out, but man, and then that last series and overtime it's just very disturbing. But uh, anyway. We're still here. A little more subdued this morning. (laughs) But it's all right. There's always, next year, praise God. Hallelujah. So uh, good things happening. I just want to clarify. Pastor Bob was talking about the Darren Strebelo comedy concert coming to our campus in Appleton. Said to bring your wife or bring your girlfriend. For the record, if you have a wife, you should not have a girlfriend. All right, so just want to be really clear about that uh, I don't know what he's talking about ah uh, we want to give a shout out to Ephraim and Kelly Blaha at our Green Bay campus here had a baby girl yesterday Ella Christine give them a hand <laughs> blessings on them mama and baby doing fine thank God for that have lots of babies we love babies uh, our uh, Stevens Point family meeting is tomorrow night for these of you in Stevens Point I'll be coming over along with Pastor Bob, Pastor Joe, and Pastor Lathan, and I'll hang out with you guys tomorrow night at 6.30, so uh, make plans to be there and uh, get together for that. We're excited about that. Um, I am continuing uh, on a series, a real brief series here, about desires, and uh, we're going to kind of do a little summary here of last week, as my lovely assistant, Tim, <laughs> brings... Give to him a hand for his talents, yes. <clears throat> now, Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church. Those of you who are coming on our Wednesday night Bible study, which should be all of you, but uh, for the many who have not, I'll give you a breakdown. We're going through the uh, New Testament in the order it was written, uh, which is significant. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament start uh, in order uh, and kind of end in the right place, but everything in between is all mixed up. I don't know who, what committee <laughs> decided to put these things in the order they are, but they're all jacked up. You try and read it from beginning to end, it, it's really hard to see what's going on, because <clears throat> it's not in order. In, for some reason, the way it's laid out in the Bible, is not the way they were written. Uh, so if you want to really read the Bible in a way that's a little bit more clear, you know, look at it in a chronological way. There's a great uh, study Bible called the Chronological study Bible, where it actually takes you through the whole Bible, in the order it was written. You'll be surprised how much more sense that it makes. And we are doing that on our Wednesday night Bible study, going through the New Testament in the order that it was written, uh, starting with Acts. The Gospels obviously came first, then the book of Acts. And as we're going through the book of Acts, every time they wrote a letter or whatever, and we jump to that and read that letter. The first letter or epistle written in the New Testament actually was the uh, uh, letter of James, If you look at James in the New Testament, you'll see that he starts out talking, writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He's writing to Jewish Christians because in the beginning, all that were there were pretty much Jewish Christians. They couldn't even get their heads around the idea of being a Christian and not being Jewish. So you'll see James is very much from a Jewish perspective. Then you got Galatians, which is the Apostle Paul's first letter, where he's trying to straighten out this thinking about the difference between being Jewish and Christian, and some of the important ways to think about that. And then the very next letter is the letter to the Thessalonians, which we're going to be reading from in just a second here. And this is Paul's first letter to just basically uh, pagans who became Christians. They don't have a background in Judaism or anything else like that. It's really more like to the bulk of us you know, not being raised in that world, who come to Christ and So Paul had only spent a few months there, and then when he got to uh, the city of Corinth, he wrote letters back to these guys, kind of following up and encouraging them in their new faith. And this is what Paul says to them. He writes this letter. he says, we constantly pray for you. What does he pray? That our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. And that's what we want to talk about now. We're we'll doing a little summary or re- recap here, class, of uh, our last lesson. And uh, <clears throat> talking about desires. Now, the Bible breaks desires into two very simple categories. Uh, if you remember, the uh, first category are the uh, good desires. And as you can imagine, the second category are the bad desires. Why are these important? Because they each lead to different conclusions. The good desires, the Bible teaches us, if we follow them, will lead us to a a life filled with life, blessings and success. Bad desires, if you follow them, despite their promise, they always promise, oh, it's going to be great if you just go this path. The reality is it ends in death and a life full of spiritual death. And uh, one of the uh, telltale signs of death Is that it stinks. And if your life reeks. There might be a reason. One of the ways you can tell for sure. That something has crawled into a cupboard. And died in your home. Is it starts to reek. It's like. Oh man what is that. You you start tearing everything apart. Until you find. This thing that got into your house. But death tends to stink. Now. What Paul is praying, he says, I am praying that, because all believers, when you, when you come to Christ, we're forgiven of our sins, we have a new life, and there are both these desires still at work in us. A lot of Christians don't understand this, and they struggle, they don't understand what these things mean. But uh, he says, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will empower the good desires. And it's kind of like we talked last week of how you want to uh, get a fire going, you got to give it good... Air and you know flow on it, and uh, and it makes it glow, and the fire gets stronger and stronger. So he says, I pray that the Holy Spirit will blow this into you and bring this to fruition. Why is this important? Because you want to end up in life. All right. Now, a lot of people think, well, <clears throat> I can do this, but then I'll coast a little bit. But there's no coasting. You can never coast. All right, you're either being very intentional here or slipping into here. The, and, and you say, why is that? It's just because we're still uh, in a fallen world, a sin-poisoned world, a sin-poisoned flesh, and the uh, default mode will always be here. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not being intentional about this, you will get sucked into this. Why should you care? Because this winds up <coughs> ending In your life really stinking and you will struggle uh, greatly now one of the most basic and we're trying to stay very simple here with this. one of the most basic things you can do simple things that all of us can do everybody in Appleton everybody in Stevens everybody here everybody's part of this church you want to breathe life into this go to church be in services in church when you're in church we sing, we pray, we're there to each other. We worship God, we hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit just breathes this whoo, life into you and one of the wonderful experiences about going to church is you feel really, really good, all right, which leads to life. Now, what happens, a lot of people, and, and, and uh, let me back up here, whenever they do studies, because they're always doing studies to see who succeeds the most in life, who has the healthiest lives, the healthiest kids, uh, the best educated kids, the best marriages, best relationships. They do these studies. It's stunning how uh, when they include people of faith as a category, they notice that people who say they go to church every Sunday tend to succeed much more in this than those who do not. Whenever you see a study like that, just look at it because they always break it into, it usually has two parts. Those who go to church at least once a week And those who go to church more than once a week, like on our Wednesday night Bible studies as well. When you get into that category, this goes crazy. These are the people who have the lowest divorce rates on earth. These are the people who tend to have the healthiest, most successful children on earth. It's just science. It's just a fact. uh, Because of, they don't, can't really explain it, they don't really try to explain it. But the reality is, is because of the Spirit of God inflaming this and you result in life. Now the problem is that a lot of people, Christians, I mean they love God, they really do, but they're very casual about this. They uh, go to church, you know, and maybe have a great experience and they feel really good. And then next Sunday they don't go to church again because, well, I just was there last week, you know. And two weeks later well, I don't go again because I was just there two weeks ago. And we're going go, well, you know, I'm still kind of feeling pretty good three weeks after, you know, Four weeks later, well, I went last month. You know, I don't want to overdo it. And what happens, though, they don't understand is they start getting here. And pretty soon their lives start to stink. And they go, oh, I need to get back to church. So they go back to church and, oh, I feel so good. And then they go, oh, good, now I'm good. And I'll wait now many, 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 many weeks before I go back to church. So they're constantly playing this game. I know many of you have told me. I've heard this ever since we're back in Stevens Point, you know. People, uh, you don't see them for a while and then because, and some of you might be here this morning and the main reason you're here is that, oh, I, need to, I knew I needed to get back in church. Why? Because my life really stinks. Oh, it just reeks. Everything in my life reeks. I just need to come back and, and get and then you get this buzz and then you stay away again and then you fall back into this. But what you don't realize is that kind of behavior has a cumulative effect. It starts to shatter the foundation that you're on. You can't just constantly just quick, do little mini fixes and think that everything's going to stay balanced. While you might feel better, a little shots three, four, five, six, eight times a year, the reality is the foundation of your life starts to really crack and uh, you're heading in a a bad direction. Jesus talked about this um, when he talked about building our houses on the rock versus the sand. And and here's the thing, you know, it's so predictable. I I just did a series at Christmas time last month talking about the ghost of Christmas past, and the ghost of Christmas future, all that kind of stuff. And just pointed out that the future is not a mystery. Everybody thinks the future is, oh, no, who knows what's going to happen. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Sing with me. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. You just listen to a bunch of old people singing because they're the only ones who know this song. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, you're why why is it K what? So, so it, it it means what will be, just what will be when I was just a little girl. And I won't sing it, but the, the you know the, the, the song is saying, I asked my mother what will I be, what is the future? She says, Oh, K sera, sera whatever will be, will be. You know, the future's not ours to see. Okay, sit all, sit all. And everybody, but that's not what life is like. Life, the future, is very predictable. Because your future depends on what you do today. Your behavior today will determine your future. It's not a mystery. It's not this unknown thing. If you don't do the right thing today, you're going to have problems. Tomorrow, and it is as predictable as it can be, and you talk to people about it, but it's like talking to brick walls. You know, uh, recently, well, recently, several years ago now, some nice couple that went to our church moved away to another state, and we'd stay in touch, you know, and I would ask them because, you know, they'd start struggling and stuff because their life started to stink. And I said, well, well, are you going to church anyway? Well, no, not not yet. You need to get to church. I know, I know, I know. Where are you going to church? I I just can't find the right church. Really? What is this? I can't find the right church. Just go to church. If you don't know which one to go to, go to the closest one to you. Right? Just go. People say, well, I'm trying to find a church just like Celebration Church. Lots of luck with that. Uh, <laughs> there's not too many like this, I gotta tell you out there. And I appreciate that you like this, but that's irrelevant. It's not about what you think and feel, it's just you need to go to church. Now try to find the best church you can, something that you feel really connects, you can connect with, and, 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 and whatever, but don't be drifting around. I can't find a church. I mean, it's absurd. There's people right now in Stevens Point, Send it home. Appleton sitting home. Green Bay sitting home right now. Christian people sitting home because in our entire city, they cannot find a church. I mean, it's just, it's patently absurd. Could you be mere, more narcissistic and self-centered? Good Lord, just go. Well, I can't find something that just meets my needs. Well, it's not supposed to be about you. Goodness Church isn't supposed to be like a boutique restaurant. You know, well, I like this restaurant, but this restaurant's not. Oh, did you see the new restaurant that opened up? Oh, it's just fabulous, it's just fabulous. And you go, and if they're really nice to you, then you tip them. You know, when the offering goes by. <laughs> and oh, I really like this place. And if it's not just well, I'm going to go to a different. There's Christians like that, just flitting around from church to church. They say they're they spiritually well. I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me what church. You know, like they're Moses or something, or you know, waiting for God to tell me. Really, just go. The way for a per- my wife and I. I've, I've shared this story many times. We went to church for years, all kinds of different churches. We we barely could stand. It's true. Some were quite horrible. 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 They were horrible. Full of horror. <laughs> went One church went for five years. Sat on the front row for five years. Listening intently to the pastor. And seriously, in the bulk of that time, I, I don't think I understood anything he said. Really. I mean, I was trying. <laughs> what was that? I don't even know what he said. You know. Well, what'd you do? Came back next Sunday. Why? It was my church. Well, were you getting fed? Yeah, because I was feeding myself. Yeah. Bunch of babies. I'm not getting fed. 45 years old, I'm not getting fed, you know. Feed yourself for the love of God. All right? As we we're part of church and we're still in an atmosphere where we're Fellowship with other Christians, and Jesus says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst of the Holy Spirit. It's constantly doing. You know, it's not about you got to have everything just the way you want it. Go to church. I'm telling this couple, go to church. Well, uh, listen to me. You're struggling. Your life reeketh. <laughs> King James version of reek. Thou reeketh. And, and you need to go to church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they'll do it. Of course not. Because nobody listens to me. So, Three, four years later, I get a Texas week. Everything's falling apart. He walked out, getting ready to file for divorce. My life is... A... Okay. Now, we'll always be there for you when you come crashing down. We will. As I've said many times, we will joyfully and happily play all the king's horses and all the king's men that puts Humpty Dumpty back together again. Part of our ministry is, is to help people Come back together if they've fallen apart. And listen to me. If you get off and you wind up in a big mess, never think I can't go back there. Yes, you can. This is your home. And we'll always minister. We'll always be there for you. There's pastors. There's people. Wonderful campuses at Stevens Point and Appleton here. We will minister to you. But I promise you, better not to break into a thousand pieces than to break into a thousand pieces and have to have it put back together again. It's just a lot harder. Better to never get sick, right, than to get sick and have to get better so and this stuff is so predictable and it's like you know so everything's falling apart in their life and so okay now we're gonna try and, but the, I'm telling you they reek big time right now what a shock what a shock, they're shocked just shocked that their life's falling apart really? this is exactly what you're we headed for and I promise you those of you still who come here and you're part of this family, but you're very casual and you only come, you know, when the weather's just right and the moon isn't aligned with the stars and everything else. And, you know, you go to church three or four times a year whether you need it or not. Uh, but then your life stinks. Well, it's absolutely predictable. You're going to struggle. You want to build this up so you can walk in life. The more you come, the more you fellowship with other Christians, the more life is going to result because of that. Uh, and, and again, you play this game, you're just going to keep fracturing your foundation. You're going to be in trouble. Jesus says this. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You're on the rock. It's a good foundation. This person's doing everything right. And what happens? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You said this is the person who does everything right. Yeah. I thought if you did everything right, I, I won't have any rain or any streams rising or, or anything blowing and beating against me. My... No, the Bible never says that. It never says you're not going to have struggles. And... But in the midst of that, it says, even though all this came, the house did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in the practice is like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. What happens to him? The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew. Isn't that interesting? It happens to both groups. Wind, rain, storms. All the stuff that's called life. Welcome to life. This is what happens in this regular world. But in the midst of that, you can be set on a solid foundation and succeed, or you will collapse. And don't think, because, you know, Jesus wants you to have life. Sometimes people think, well, Pastor, you talk about life, but I have all these troubles in my life. Yeah, it's called life. It is what it is. Well, I don't like it. I I know nobody likes it. Nobody likes the wind and the storms and stuff. You know, and and they almost say, like, I feel like giving up, as if that means they won't have any winds and storms and troubles. (laughs) You're going to have it either way. You can either have right out the storm on a house of sticks or you can have a life of riding out of the storm on a rock. I prefer the rock. Because I'll still be standing when everybody else is collapsing. You want to get in a right place. God wants to bless you. Jesus said the thief, talking about the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Um, uh, Jesus says this in, in uh, the Gospel of John. He says, I've told you these things so that in me... You may have peace. Again, a lot of times when we think peace, that means there won't be any wind and storms, rains, none of that stuff. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means in the midst of that, you can have peace. I hope you're hearing me this morning. Hello over there. Stevens Point, you're the furthest ones away. Can you hear me? You're still going to have, it doesn't matter. You can't hide from this. Well, I'll just hide in the basement. You know, then... You know, <laughs> what's that secret gas that kills people in their basements? What's it called? Carbon, Carbon monoxide. You'll die anyway. I mean, you can't even hide. That something's going to get you. You know, you, there's no way of escaping. Don't get discouraged because you have winds and rain and storms. Just, you want to get on the rock, get, get settled on the rock. So that you can ride these things out. In me, you may have peace. Remember the, 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 the account where Jesus is in the boat with his disciples. And there's this big storm that kicks up. Right? And the wind's blowing. The rain crashes up. And these guys were scared to death. They thought they were going to die. Now, these are not weekend boaters like me. All right? These are not girly men. These are manly men. These guys had spent their lives on Boats and on that lake and fishing and everything else. They were skilled in this. And when people who really know what's going on get afraid, that's when you should get afraid. All right? It's like if you're flying in an airplane and it's all bumping everything and the pilot's just as calm as he can be, that's reassuring. When you look at the pilot, he's sweating bullets, opening his Bible and praying, that's a little nervous. All right? Well, here they are free, they know what's going on. And the Bible says that Jesus was what? Sleeping. Now, I assume he's fake sleeping. <laughs> right? The wind's blowing, rain's smelling. Who sleeps in some way? Getting all knocked up by the way, Ah, we're going to die in Jesus. <laughs> and they finally sat and shook him and says, Don't you care? Oh, man, how many times do people say that? When the wind starts blowing in your life, the sea starts rising, rain's coming down, beating against your house, and God, don't you care? Pastor, God doesn't care about me. He cares about you. Then why is this? This is life. You still care? Don't say, yeah, why don't you care? What he wants them to learn is to be peaceful in the midst of the storm. I've told you these things so you can have peace in this world, Jesus said. You will have peace trouble it's not an exciting proposition but it's a reality but he says but take heart i've overcome the world and when he says take heart he literally means take it be encouraged you got to take encouragement." now have you met people you try encouragement and they they push you away no matter what you say it's gonna be no it's gonna be horrible no it's gonna be okay no it's gonna be awful they're like eeyore you know Everywhere they go, there's a cloud over their head. Oh bother! Oh bother! they gonna be terrible. And no matter how much encouragement you give them, they never take it. They're waiting for it to magically happen. Here's the thing about encouragement: you have to reach out and take it, right? You're drowning in the sea, and someone hands you something. You got to take it. A lot of people go, "I don't want to take. It. I was someone going to pull me out." No, you. You need to take it. You need to take heart. You need. To be encouraged. This world is a tough place, but take heart. Paul writes this, he says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Why is that? Because it won't make any sense. Everybody, how can you be so peaceful? How can you be so happy? What's the matter with you? People don't understand it. I remember, you know, Deb and I in the doctor's office and telling her she has cancer and and she's going to die. And we're sitting there. He says, I don't think you're taking this seriously enough. No, we get it. Dead. (laughs) They actually yell at you like being worried and freaked out is healthy for you. Right? Oh, you don't like to hear those words but what are you going to do? You have peace in the midst of the storm. You can either smile or just be overwhelmed. Peace. Peace that passes all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Says the scripture that's not on the screen. There it is. Peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Put it back up there. <laughs> Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You may remove it now. All right. Now, here's the thing, and this gets a little confusing for people. Uh, even though you can do this and really experience this and walk in this, this will always pull on you. It's always pulling. Come to the dark side. I mean, it's always there. It's always there. And sometimes people get very discouraged. So, Pastor, how can I still feel this? Well, because you're still alive. You're still in this body, in this flesh. Well, you're doing this, and this still pulls and this pulls. And it gets tiring. Yes, the good news is someday we die. And then it stops. And then we just have this. But don't think because you feel this that you have to do this. You don't have to do it. Now here's the thing, before Jesus, you had to do, you had little control over what what you did. That's what the Bible teaches. You guys know what I'm talking about. Without Jesus, man, you felt anger, you were angry. You felt bitter, you were bitter. You felt hating, you know, lustful, disgusting, whatever. You, You did what you felt because it just controlled you. The good news is in Christ, even that stuff is still there. We don't have to do this anymore. We've been set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But don't kid yourself, it's still there. So what do we do with it? Well, that's what we read here in this final verse. Paul says, the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And what does this grace of God teaches us? It teaches us to say no. No. I don't have to do it. We say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and we can live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. Not when you die, but right now. You can be free of this. Now, this is so important because a lot of people struggle, even Christian people who struggle. All this is happening in them, but they still struggle with this because they feel it, because they think because they feel it, they got to do it. They struggle with addictions and stuff and and guys who are, you know, full of fear and and paranoia and insecurity or unforgiveness or lust. They're looking at porn and stuff, and they're trying, oh, I, I know I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't be doing these things, and they pray. You know what they almost always tell you? like, you know, I struggle with, and I, I pray that God will take away these feelings. Overwhelmingly, that's what people who struggle with, repetitive behavior, say, I, I, str- I just pray God take away these feelings. But it's a prayer of futility. God will not take away the feelings. Because the only way to take away the feelings is to kill you. Because those feelings come from your flesh. The good news is someday you won't have those anymore. But you don't have to live, live as a slave to that. Just because you feel it doesn't mean jack. You don't have to do what you feel. The good news of Christianity is when you feel something bad, you don't have to do it. You can say, no. Bad dog. Bad, bad. I don't have to do that. Just because you feel something, and we live in a world that's convincing people because you feel it, you have to do it. If you feel the thought, you have to do it. If you feel, oh, you can't deny your feelings. And if they warn you, the psycho babble people, oh, you don't want to have repressed feelings. Trust me, you want repressed feelings. <laughs> you want to repress them as much as you can. says so it's not healthy for you. Really? I'll tell you what's unhealthy for you is to listen to this stupidity and to live out the bad feelings that you have and it will destroy your life and you will wreak. The good news is we've been set free. Our feelings don't control us. But always remember it, because it'll be confusing. You will think that just because I've been a born-again Christian stuff, this is all gone now, and I just have this. No. This comes alive, but this is still there. It is the eternal struggle. Well, not eternal. <laughs> thank God. It's the temporary struggle of Christianity. It's the temporary struggle of faith. Everybody, even Paul the apostle, struggled with this. He writes about it. Peter, all those apostles, all these holy men of God throughout history, always have felt that. The difference was while everybody else without God in their lives was becoming a slave to that, they could say no. Why? Because of what Christ had done in their lives. And now they get this going and they walk in life. I want your life to be blessed. To succeed at every possible level. That doesn't mean there won't be wind and storms. Because they come and go. But I want you to get planted on the rock. So that after all the wind and storms blowing by, you're still standing. Remember, this happens on purpose. You have to be intentional. Next week, in the final of this series, I'm going to be talking about, uh, about these desires and how you can start having some of these desires, the good desires that you desire in your heart, answered in prayer. Because the Bible says God wants to give you the good desires of your heart. We'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that in you we have new life. God, We're in a world that's been sold into sin and slavery of wickedness and nastiness. and Everybody here listening to me right now in these services, on the internet, on television, have all been affected negatively by sin. We live in a world that is poisoned by sin. But then you sent Jesus. He died on that cross, rose again from the dead, forever alive today, that if we put our trust in him, we can be free. We can experience forgiveness. Our slate can be clean. And now we can have victory over the evil that still pulls within us and walk in the good that you've placed in us so that we can experience true life. And help us, Lord, to live really victorious lives so that the people around us will be drawn to us and say, Wow, how can you live that way? And it'll give us the opportunity to share your wonderful love with them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.